This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, my name is Stephanie Harris, and I'll be your host today for this episode of Global Ambitions. Our guest today is Dan Koenig, Senior Strategist for Life Science at Argus Multilingual. And our topic today is keeping pace with the rapid changes in life science. Dan, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. So first, can you give us a quick rundown of who you are? What's your background? Certainly. I like to say that I've been in technical communication for more years than I'd care to admit. I was most recently, before joining Argos, the localization manager for Beckman Coulter, a global medical device company, and I was there for many, many years. All right. So you have a lot of experience in this industry, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So let's jump right into our first question. So life science is a very complicated industry. What do you see as the biggest challenges? I think one of the largest challenges today is just to keep pace with all the upstream activity in in research and development. That, you know, we're, we're bringing in artificial intelligence into the development process, both in pharma and medical devices. And this is great news because it's, it's accelerating the ability to, to bring new life-saving products to the marketplace. And that's, that's wonderful news. It, it's all good. And, and this was accelerated during the, you know, the, the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. We learned um, some tough lessons, but, but we took away some very good knowledge from that period of time, and we're still utilizing it. I I think the challenge, though, if you're on the documentation side of the business, is how do you keep pace with this release schedule? It's going to get tighter and tighter and tighter because the registrations are going to come at you more quickly. The need to get documentation into Udemed if you're selling in Europe and so on is going to be there. And this will never stop. You know, if you've been in the business for a while, the regulatory landscape shifts constantly, as it just did with MDR and IVDR, which uh, both came into application now. So hopefully you've, you know, you've got your labeling up to date. You've added, you know, your unique device identifier and and you're in Udemed and and, and so on. and, And you're doing all of those important things to make that information available. But how do you keep up with this pace of change. You know, if you're still, I'm sorry, if you're still working in Word and Frame and so on, are you really getting the job done? You know, when's the last time you took a day off? So with regulatory, is there anything that we should be keeping an eye out for right now? Yes, I, I think something that's kind of under the radar still as a outcome from MDR and IVDR is, is new documentation. It's the summary of safety and clinical performance for MDR. For IVDR, it's called the summary of safety and performance, SSP. And essentially, it, this is a class-based decision. So if you have a, a higher risk device, class three or class C for ID, IVDR, this is a new type of documentation that needs to basically give exhaustive detail on a device that's both comprehensible to healthcare professionals and if there's a patient interface, if it's a patient use device or near patient testing, which is anything outside of a laboratory environment, there has to be a section that's written in a manner that 
non-professionals can understand that the average patient would understand. This is an entire new level of burden in terms of documentation for manufacturers. It's part of the overall push of MDR and IVDR that the information supplied to both the healthcare professionals and the patients be more intelligible, easier to understand. And of course, that falls into translation as well. Whatever is in the source material must still be there when it's translated. One of the ways perhaps to uh, absorb some of this burden is to have a product gap analysis, okay, and see how many of your products fall under these new guidelines and requirements. Look at perhaps revenue as a driver or even more so perhaps criticality as a driver. How much of this must be out in the marketplace at all times? Are there various tests like, you know, troponin and so on, that absolutely need to be available all the time. And and if it falls under that, then maybe that goes to the top of your list and you start there. Okay. And then, and then some of the other things, you know, terminology management, controlled content and authoring, process automation, translation, memory cleansing, using a context vector, machine translation, all of this again, is a scalable model that will help you take on these new documentation requirements and also help you build a more agile process for the future. Because as soon as you get used to this and you meet all these requirements, there's going to be a new one. Right. Well, and imagine with this regulatory stuff, it, it just keeps going and going. And even with the technology aspect as well, right? Because I, I know in the localization industry, we're always, technology is evolving, it's changing our processes. But in the life science industry, even more so, I would imagine. Oh, ab- absolutely. It's allowing incredible advance in, in computation, especially in pharma. They're able to, to model chemical structures and, and so on, thousands millions what what you know what are the the potential relationships and and how might they be used best in, in new medicines and so on or if you're designing devices you know a lot of your human factors engineering how, how do you interface with this device and so on now be modeled by artificial intelligence you know and and many companies are moving rapidly in this direction and that's all incredibly exciting to be sure it's a great time to be in that business Well, I'd imagine it's also a challenging time for us localization folks. (laughs) Do you have any actionable strategies for dealing with these sort of fast iterations, rapid changes in workflows and processes and technologies and regulations? What what are some actionable things that you can help us out with? Well, certainly, I, I think the core message is that you have to build processes and systems that are scalable. And you've got to go, and in some ways, it's interesting because as we reach this you know, amazing peak in technology, we have to go back to the fundamentals. You have to have your terminology straight. Everyone has to agree on what to call things. I'm a huge advocate of centralizing processes wherever possible. Let's let's utilize what we already have. Let's take our linguistic assets. Let's use artificial intelligence as we can do now to ferret out what is correct, you know, get rid of that which is not. You need to become more reliant on capturing the knowledge of subject matter experts and then digitizing it, okay? So so the the humans, again, and this mirrors the medical world quite well, the humans have the final say, 
in, in machine translation with post-edit, the humans have the final say of interpretation and assessment. And that's all to the good. I, I think we need to stay there for quite a while still. Okay. But you can take care of a lot of this arduous task of digging through volumes and volumes of data to decide what you want to use. AI will, will see relationships in it that you can never possibly find. If you build the system properly, it will ask you, what do you think? And this is where the whole thing comes together. So now you've begun to compress sort of the discovery part of the process. And you can also use what we call a context vector coming back inbound to say, you know what, the things that are in this translation kit don't match what we expected to see. Do you agree that this is a problem? Do you not? And having disposition that particular issue, now it's captured and there's a heuristic learning that occurs and that's in the data for next time that question need not be asked again. So this is how one gets on the toboggan and stays on it for the ride now and begins to bring incredible both schedule compression and cost efficiencies into these processes. Again, I know this is a lot of people are really tired out there. And thank you for your great work, by the way. You've really been, yeah, you've actually been saving the world. And yes. we appreciate this. However, you need to give yourself a break now and allow yourself to keep up with what's going on and work more efficiently and smarter and better and stay in it for the long run. We need you. Yes, totally agree. So, what would maybe be the first step? So someone says, yes, this sounds great. What would be the first step for them to even get started on this process of looking at things? Is it like a, an audit of what they have? Is it working on their terminology? What, what is the first thing that they should do? Uh, well, I'd say we'd probably start with terminology, break out some high-level samples and make sure we're all agreeing on what things are called and how they're translated and, and establishing all of that in the data. Then I think it would be very, very beneficial to have some sort of pilot program, maybe take one of your dominant languages, perhaps, uh, or something, of course, with the most regional sales, however you, you decide to create that list, and then have a, a look at using AI, decide what's the edit distance inside of that data. And people are often shocked at the multiplicity of translations for the exact same source material. And you can narrow that down. And again, this is the SMEs come in now and they start to get in the sandbox with you right out of the gate. We want their knowledge. We decide, is this really best in German? Does this convey this the best way? Now you can begin to cleanse your TM. In the past, you'd spend, you know, a billion dollars, not really, but millions. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and you would you would still not be certain that all these relationships made sense or these it made sense in this context, but not in the other. But now the AI can say, well, what about this and what about this one? And you can start to winnow that and narrow it down. And now it's useful outbound to the translator and inbound to the editor. Do these things align? And based on what we already know of this particular translation unit or linguistic element, does this make sense or is this worth a tighter look? So I'd start with terminology. It's, again, a building block. If you don't have that under control, 
let's do that. And from there, you can get into some AI-driven TM cleansing, see how that works for you. Now you're starting to build a future state. And the future state is that artificial intelligence and machine translation is going to use the human input, both outbound and inbound back to your publications and your website and so on, to validate and verify uh, your content. And that's all going to be based on the human input. And that's very exciting. And this is how you, this is how you keep up. Yeah, no, I think that implementing those different technologies to take a little bit of the burden off of humans just makes sense while keeping the quality checks in place. That's so right. after you've done this, you've set up your terminology, you have all that. Is, are there other changes that you would need to adjust in your workflow to sort of pull those in? Or is it pretty much just working in AI and assistance for the humans wherever possible? Well, I think you might change a couple of process points. Again, this is a, you know, every company is different. But yes. I, I think that you might uh, bring your, your subject matter experts in much sooner as, as you build this and get their buy-in and help them to understand how important their input is. And then maybe perhaps you'd form some sort of a glossary committee so you get input from software and engineering or, you know, chemistry, what, whatever is involved in your making your products and ha- let them have their input too and come to agreement on things. So that's a big change for a lot of companies, but I, I, it's vital. And this is, this is very successful, I, I know firsthand. Um, okay. And, and beyond that, then, I'd say that you really need to take control of your content creation further upstream. So now that you've decided what the terminology is, maybe get your arms around uh, some sort of content management. And if you're really forward-looking, maybe get into a headless CMS or something and, and, and know that you can uh, reconfigure this content at will and send it out SMS, web, print it, whatever is required. Now your agility is way up mm-hmm. and so is your quality i guarantee you <laughs> and and your schedule has been compressed so management's very happy as well i can imagine so <laughs> great well thank you so much dan this has been wonderful and thank you for your insights and hopefully we'll see a lot more of you on other podcasts and in other ebooks and on the web as well in the future. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.